if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Our guest for Horse Chats today is Diana McNaughton. Diana is the Industry Engagement Manager for Skills Impact, who's working on the Horse Care Project at the moment. Now, I know that's something you may not have heard of. Who is this Diana McNaughton? But I really urge you to listen to this, particularly if you've got anything to do with education in the Australian horse industry. It will apply to people in other countries as well, you know, just to understand the system a bit better. But if you've, you know, gone through any sort of education or plan to do any sort of uh, formal education within Australia, within the horse industry, then I urge you to listen to this chat. Diana, how are you? Good, Glenys. How are you? Oh, look, I'm wonderful. Look, Diana, before we start, I just want to remind people about the mission of International Horse College, and that's to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers. Have a look at the wide variety of equine-specific courses at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. So that's our bit of a spiel, Diana, you know, about what we do with education, International Horse College. But this is, goes a lot broader with this education and a lot broader within the whole horse industry. So before we even start, I always like to start with a favourite quote or something, you know, just so people can get to know you a little bit better. So what do you think? Have you got a favourite quote for us? I do have a favourite quote. quote. My favourite quote is life. It's not about being rich, being popular, being highly educated or being perfect. It's about being real, humble and kind. You know what? I think, I'm not 100% sure, I think there's a particular trainer who has a saying very similar to that. So while you might think it's not necessarily a horse one, I think it certainly applies to horse people. And I think real humble and kind, that's what horses are looking for. You know, they're not looking to see what sort of flash car you turn up in when you go to ride them or, you know, what anything else is. They want someone to really have that connection with them. So it's about life, but about horses as well. And a lot of the horse people that I've met over the last um, couple of years have been, you know, they're all very humble and kind so, and very passionate about their horses. So it's really uh, lovely to see. It doesn't matter what, where you are in life, um, all horse people are, you know, are the same, on the same level and it's, it's really nice to see. It's interesting, Diana, because you're coming in and I think you're the first guest I've ever had on the program. You're coming in from a non-horse background, but you've got so much knowledge about education within the horse industry. And I think it's coming in and, you know, just being in meetings with you and knowing that you've got that unbiased view because horse people are pretty particular. You know, everyone thinks that their way is the best and, you know, this is the best gear and this is the way we should do this. And, um, you know, we've all got very strong views on that. And I think that you coming in with that unbiased view and this is overall within the Australian horse industry. I think you, you do a really good job with that. Oh, thanks, Chris. I mean, with the, our job, I guess, is to try and capture everyone's views and come up with something that is suitable for everyone. And uh, so it is a bit tricky with, um, with all the different ways that people do things. But um, with education, vocational education, 
it's setting some building blocks um, for people in the industry and uh, uh, we'll teach them some skills. We develop skills that can be taught to people that can start them in their journey of being uh, uh, in horsemanship skills. And um, it's the people that I've met along the way that develop those skills further once they've finished their vocational training. Now, Diana, what is the Animal Care and Management Industry Reference Committee? What do they do? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, that's a good question, Glenys. So with the um, the federal government set up an organisation called the Australian Industry Skills Committee and they oversee about 70 different training packages. And out of that 70 training packages, animal care and management is one of those and they've set up an industry reference committee which is made up of about 11 to 15 people that uh, that there's, there's uh, specialists in the, in animal care um, and uh, they help us to, they guide us into where the skills are required in their particular industry sectors. Okay, so where does skills impact come into this? How do they work with the industry reference committees? So the skills impact is a uh, not-for-profit industry-owned organisation and one of our roles is to provide secretariat work for the animal and Management Industry Reference Committee. So along with the Industry Reference Committee, we also work with industry training providers and government to develop and update all the skill standards. Okay. Now, uh, the projects you're working on, are you working on a horse care project? Tell us a little bit about the horse care project, but I think there's one or two others that you're working on that are relevant to horses. You know, I mean, we, most horse people have got, you know, dogs and cats and other animals, but we're specifically looking at horses now. So with a focus on horses, what projects are you working on? This, um, this year's projects, we've bundled it all in together as one uh, horse care project uh, because it's, it was too hard to define. But we're basically doing it in two, two, two halves. Um, one will be uh, for the jobs um, and care of horses, uh, as in stable hands, riders and exercises, groomers, um, and, uh, you know, the people that care for work and care for horses. Uh, the, the second part of it is really around the services that people bring in to look after their horses. So more of an equine provider, service providers, so um, equine dentistry, massage, um, saddle fitting and uh, nutrition. And uh, following on from that, we're also doing um, some skills standards in um uh, equine management, so it would be for people for that run studs or um, adjustment centres or events. Uh, so maybe look, probably more focused around performance horse um, management. So that, so that's so we're we're really starting the pathway from school right through to management. Yeah, look, I, I think that um, you know because we train a lot of school students, and I just find that people come in. And they come in from different backgrounds. You know, I'm a barrel racer, I'm a show jumper, I work with racehorses, I, you know, we've got a stud. They've got a lot of different backgrounds. But when you're actually doing the training and the assessment, and we have lots of discussions, you know, I do it this way, why do you do it that way? 
what's better this way? You know, just something simple like tying a quick release knot. You know, this is the way I prefer. Why do you prefer this way? Is it actually a quick release knot? You know, what can happen if you do it that way? They've all got different backgrounds, but they all come in and they all discuss it. And they all work, you know, this way is better than that way. Um, they just come in with really open minds. But to get those basic core skills, we want them to do the same. We want them to handle the horses safely. We want them to care for the horses safely. And I think that's important to know that across all industries, these basic skills are just so important and so relevant to safety as well just under having an understanding. That's right. And part of this project is because we are vocational education experts, so our expertise is listening to people, all these different uh, ways of doing things in a particular industry, and we we bring that together as uh, we try and pick out what's the what would be a national standard. Um, so part of the reason that I'm talking to you today, Glennis, is that we're running now some uh, workshops which will uh, which we'd like to invite people to attend and they can and we'll teach we'll we'll give them some information on how they can contribute to our project and so we we're trying to reach out to as many uh, horse people as possible they don't have to have had an education in any horse qualifications but we do need to know their skills the skills that they use so that we can then uh, put those into standards that training organizations can use to teach people that do not have horse skills so um, or, or little horse skills. So we, we're reaching out. At the moment, we're reaching out to people that have really good skills in, in horsemanship and are willing to contribute to our project and pass on some of their knowledge to us. Now, this project, because you're saying workshops, they're online workshops or offline workshops? Can You know, can people do them online? No, they're online. We... That's perfect in this COVID climate, isn't it? Yeah. We go and organise a workshop and then go into lockdown or something. Yeah, <laughs> I know. What we love as an organisation is meeting people face-to-face and we generally take the, these workshops um, on the road and we, we, we go to every state and invite people to come and see us because when you've got a whole day where you can sit and talk to people, you get a lot more information. So we're going to we have to do things a little differently this time. So we're running a series of webinars, and you can register on our website, which is www.skillsimpact.com.au. And if you go to projects, uh, you'll see horse care project. If you click on that, you'll see registration, all different dates and registration. Uh, details so you can register for our webinar and the webinars will really start with a bit of information about skills impact and and the industry reference committee and how we work together and what we do what the work we do and then we will tell you how you can contribute online but we'll also have questions our developers who are developing these uh, qualifications and units See, they will have some questions for, for for the experts. So we'll be asking you questions rather than the other way around. So um, just to identify some of the techniques that need to go into these qualifications. Yeah, I'm on the website now. Okay, so I've got skillsimpact.com.au. Yep. Then where do I go? Projects? Then if you look it? up the top, it yes. says, yeah, projects. Okay, and then horse care. And then you'll... Horse care. Yep. And then the... So there's four webinars in each group. So you only need to, if you're interested in jobs around stable work, grooming, exercising, and that that sort of thing, where the jobs are, 
um, they're the uh, that's from the 17th to the 23rd. Now, 17th to 23rd of February, yes. February. So you only need to, to, to book into one of those webinars. And then in the second group, there's that's for the horse services providers. So um, for saddle fitting, dentistry, body work, um, then those, those are running from the 17th to the 22nd. And then we have two webinars on the 22nd and the 23rd, which is really around um, how, these, how registered training organisations are going to deliver these skills. And uh, it's all good and well to have know what the skills are that are required, um, but the uh, education, vocational education, is very highly regulated. Um, unlike the horse industry, you um, tell me about it. <laughs> very highly, re- <laughs> very highly regulated. So they have, we have to give them. Um, registered training organisations the opportunity to to talk through how these things will be delivered. And we welcome any horse experts to listen in on those ones too. There will probably be a lot of acronyms, um, but uh, but it's a a good opportunity to listen to see how uh, how, what the other side is like with the um, for the delivery of these um, these skills and qualification. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now, and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and click on the 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. And Diana, I'm just thinking because... This is for anyone who's involved in the horse industry. And if you're involved in the horse industry and you don't think that the education's going in the right direction or, you know, just needs a bit of a tweak or you're really happy with the way that it's going and you'd like to find out how, you know, you could be you could be an employer. You could be someone who is thinking about sometime in the future employing someone and this is relevant to you. You could be someone who's working in the industry now, someone who's thinking that they'd like to be professional in the industry, but they've got their own horses, they come in with the knowledge. Or you could be someone who's already, and and there's quite a lot of this in Australia, there's a lot of people out there who are horse dentists without a qualification, who are saddlers or body workers or lots of things without education and insurance is getting harder and harder to get unless you've got that formal qualification. So, you know, coming in and just finding out a little bit about the requirements and even just meeting and and talking to people in the industry to find out how you can get those skills recognised. You know, there's recognition of prior learning or there's coming in, you know, where you've 
coming in with some knowledge and, and it's a bit more gap learning, you know, fast tracking um, for people just to get those qualifications, yeah. Yeah, because when you think about it, we're reaching out to, to experts who have these skills to help us identify the skills so we can train others. But sometimes people do, like as you said, for insurance purposes, they may, may need to have a qualification. And as you said, your, their skills, their prior skills can be recognised as part of that qualification. Sometimes it's still quite a lot to do in when you're having your skills recognised, but uh, it's definitely worth doing if you want to hold that qualification. Yes, yeah. You talk about insurance, and, and it is. Insurance is a big one. It is quite hard to get. It's also just making sure that you're doing the right thing, you know, making sure that you're doing the right thing by the horses and by your clients to know, right, I've been, I've been, I'm qualified here. I've actually been assessed as competent to say that I've got the skills that are recognised within Australia. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And we, we did an extensive survey uh, prior to uh, the start of this project and um, and a lot of people have said that they have got horsemanship skills but they're not recognised because there's no formal qualifications. So this is a good, uh, you know, this is a good, good way of doing things. And, we, you know, we... we um, a lot of people value uh, qualifications, but it doesn't mean we're not. It doesn't mean it does. It doesn't take away from people's experience. Uh, but one of the things that did come up quite clearly in our survey was that there was still a lack of um, work safety around horses. So, um, you know, there's people that have grown up with horses all their life, and. And um, and I think that, you know, they can become a bit complacent sometimes. Often the people that I spoke to over the last two years, the accidents they've had, they've blamed themselves because they said, I've just got too comfortable with the horse. And um, so we have put a very big focus on the safety, the work safety in these qualifications. So, we'd, you know, we'd be keen to see what people think of of the safety units that we've created as well. So it'd be great if you've got an interest in safety. Yeah, yeah. Even just the recognition of horse behaviour. You know, just being able to observe horse behaviour, which is more dominant, which is more submissive, going into a herd, how to go and catch horses in a herd, how to work in that herd situation. There's there's lots of just safety things that are very important to go through. Yeah. And then, um, you know, as you say, being a bit too complacent with a horse, but just knowing just basic safety skills, you know, things like everyone should be on the same side of the horse at the same time. Gives the horse, you know, if they yeah. do. And we want, they... our, we want our students, yeah, and we want our students to be safe, but we also want them to be able to work safely when they do get employed. So one of your previous guests, Meredith Chapman, um, is one of our experts um, that's helping us develop these skill standards as well. So we're really pleased to have her on board um, to... For, for this as well. So it's, it's a pretty exciting project. I, I think it's good because you're coming in and you're saying, right, I, I don't have a horse background, but you're also inviting the right people, you know, to say, right, well, I don't have the horse background, but, you know, I want to hear from everyone and I want to say, right, we want people like Meredith to start the basic, um, what can we do here, you know, just to get things started, but then getting feedback from everyone and having it as an open forum. So, if um, so, everyone is able to come in, have their input, and uh, give their opinion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we can't guarantee we'll we'll um, be able to incorporate every single bit of feedback. But the more feedback we get, 
we can start picking at some common themes that run across nationally in Australia. And so with the qualifications, we pick the most common skills that are required. And when somebody who's done a qualification has you know, starts looking for work. Um, some employers will go, we know then they've got these national skills, but in my business, we want to add to those skills by teaching them a slight, you know, like you were talking about the knots. They may want to do it a little differently the way, the way that they've taught it at the um, training organisations. But they'll know that they have a, they'll have, they'll certainly be taught safety and they will learn the skills that is, is more of a standard, and then um, a horse uh, employers can build on those skills, a bit like an, a trainee, an apprenticeship, really. <laughs> so, yeah. It's very important to realise that that you get trained a certain way, but then you go into that job, and there's got to be reasons. So, I mean, I can remember I used to um, ride track work for TJ Smith, who's Gay Waterhouse's father, and every stable I'd ever ever worked beforehand and since. You never, ever ride a horse into a stable, but it was almost a sackable offence if you didn't ride the horse straight to the stable to get off it. And the reason is because there'd be, you know, 30 or 40 horses coming back from track work, high-strung thoroughbreds in full work coming, you know, behind each other, safe distances. If they have to stop and start and stop and start as everyone got off the horse and led it into the stable that would be quite a dangerous situation. So to um, simply come in, duck your head, ride the horse into the stable, that was just the way things were done. Now, in most places, you'd say that's just so dangerous. But in that particular place, it was the safest thing to do. Correct. And that's exactly right. It's, 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 I always um, take it through the example of baking as well. So if, you, if you're an apprentice baker and you've learnt that you've got to knead the dough, the dough 10 times, before you put it up for rising, you may go to a bakery when you were employed and they go, oh, no, no, we don't need it that much. We only want it five times and then we put it into the into the oven. So there's certain things that certain organisations have to have in, like what you've just mentioned, and some things that they look that there's their preference. But uh, but trying to uh, teaching people when they when they have their qualifications, it's really important, yeah, that that it's a national standard. Yeah, yeah, and then you go places and they've got their paddocks set up different, or their tyres, or their wash bays, or you know they've got particular types of horses, or they use the horses for different things. Everything's always going to be different, but I think you go in with your basic skills, you have an open mind, and you're certainly far more. In, we know that you're employable because you've um, you've been assessed as competent in those basic skills. Correct, correct. So from the seminars, the webinars, the workshops. What happens from there? How does this actually become like a national standard? So if someone comes in and says, right, we'd like to change this because this is the way that it is now. And I'll give you an example, okay? Having a cavison for lunging, okay? Now, you know, I've trained in the UK and we used a lot of cavisons and, you know, I've sort of been around for a little while and and we used to use a lot of cavisons, whereas now it's like... uh, People have got to almost go and find a cavison to lunge their horse, do an assessment. The only time our cavison ever comes out is if we're doing assessments. We never, ever use it any other time. So if I say to you, and other people are in agreement, can we drop the requirement of a cavison for lunging? 
what happens there? I mean, well, I don't, I don't good, even know if it's in the question, current standard. So. Yes, but but say I say, look, can we drop this caverson? Everyone else says, caverson, we don't use a caverson. You know, can we take this out of the standards? I don't, it is in the standards in one of the older ones, which yeah. I think the instructor one, it's almost finished now. But if we want to change something, we go to the workshops, it's all discussed. Yes, we should take that out. But then what happens? So what happens is we have the drafts go up on our website and this is where it's really important to put your feedback. There will be an explanation of how to put the feedback on the website. It'll be on the website as well as at the webinar. And so that's an example of change of equipment and technology that's, that's used. Um, so if you put, if, if you were to say go in Glenys and put, if that cabison is on that um, unit of competency for lunging, you can put feedback in saying cavisons are really hard to get now, suggest you change this to whatever you think the new um, system is. And other people who read that can put in their feedback next to yours and say, yes, I agree, we use this. Um, and then we can start building up a list of feedback that will steer us in that correct direction of what they're using now. There'll be other people that will still have different views about that so it's about our development our developers picking out whether they have to put in different methods or they have to pick out the one method that's pretty much standard and so that feedback is really handy when you put it and that goes directly onto our website if you get stuck there's an inquiries email address that you can email your feedback to but if we put it we're on the web, it's not up on the website just yet so it'll probably be up to the end of, by the end of the day or tomorrow but at the webinars I'll explain how you can put your feedback on to the website and then every we give you a number so you, no one can see your name and then we put the, your feedback goes up like a post-it note on the drafts of the units of competency so it goes up as a post-it note and then other people can add to that as well so, and if you like what you see, if you go, oh, hallelujah, they fixed this up, we love this, you put it on there, this is, this, we agree that this is correct. Because um, we often get feedback that for changes, but we don't get as much feedback to say, yes, we've got it right. Okay. So, so agreeing is just as important as disagreeing. So you re, it's really important that people get on, yep. give their opinion. And as you say, they don't have to be qualified. They just have to have someone with a bit of knowledge in the horse industry who's interested in education, interested in this project, to just spend a few minutes to get on and give some feedback. That's wonderful. Yeah. And after we've after the feedback period's finished, which it usually goes for about a month, so about the middle of March, the feedback finishes, and that's when... Um, our developers and our project team get very, very busy um, collating all that feedback and working through. And then we have got some small groups of emeritus with one of them of uh, some people and, along with our our industry reference committee where we sort out if, we, if, if we're not sure about something, we'll put it back into uh, back up for feedback or we'll put it all together and then it goes back up on our website for validation. So when we think we've got it right um, and we've incorporated everyone's feedback, the the same documents go back up on the website for validation and then that usually is in the form of a survey so you can um, validate and say, yes, we agree or still still think this might not be right. So, and from there, then there's a lot of hoops we run through because, as I said, it's highly regulated. Once it's industry 
uh, sectors have validated our work. It goes through to quality assurance, it goes through edit and equity, and it goes through to all the state training authorities. So it goes through a lot of um, eyes before it gets endorsed um, by the Australian Industry Skills Committee and the Minister's Office. And then it then it becomes available for the registered training organisations to start writing their assessment material and their learning guides and deliver the qualification. So it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. So timeline, you know, just thinking now, it's it's sort of um, what are we in February? How long until someone is going? You know, in general terms, is someone's going to be able to enrol in a course with these changes? Once the um, once the, the skill standards are, are available for the training organisations to write their materials, the learning materials, um, so we were anticipate that uh, this may be up ready at the end of the year. Um, so it, then sometimes it can take training organisations up to eighteen months before they can start taking enrolments. But some organisations are a bit bit. Some of the smaller training organisations can uh, get this working a bit quicker and because um, they're not dealing with so many, uh, again, not so many hoops to run through. And uh, so the, I think enrolments, would, hopefully enrolments will start probably around, what are we in now, 2021, 22, maybe 20, the beginning of 23. It takes a while, so, doesn't it, you know, for all this to come through. It's a big job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but and that's because it's so you know it's so important that we we um, we get it right, um, and because it's we're 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 setting standards for for vocational education, so it's not something that can be rushed. Does this go through Parliament? You said it goes to the minister's office. It goes to the minister's office um, for the final sign off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, look, I think you've given us lots of information and lots of reasons to jump on and do that survey. Now, that survey, can you tell us where to find it again? Or Sorry, not the survey, the um, the workshops. The, tell us again. Yeah, this, the workshops. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you go to our website, which is www.skillsimpact.com.au. You look for, on the headings uh, for projects and click into there and then look for horse care projects. You'll see we have a lot of projects for our organisation. Um, so look for horse care project, and then when you click on there, it'll take you to the web page for this project and have all the re- it'll have all the registrations for the webinars. Okay. Now, just another couple of questions, Diana. Just to do with, you know, when you first start. Now, how long have you been working? Because we're talking could take another two years. This particular project, how long have you been working on it? Well, I guess I've been working on it since I started the um, engagement on it. That's why I'm called an engagement manager. <laughs> so it was starting, you know, initial engagement with uh, talking to people probably April uh, 2019. Yep. So that's two years ago. Yeah. So yeah. two years ago and another possibly two years. So it's a four-year turnaround. It's a big job because there's so many people involved and we really want to get people involved. It's not just a couple of people put their heads together, let's just try this. It's that important that we need to get the whole of the Australian horse industry involved 
everyone, you know. And for those that have an interest in following the project but may not want to contribute but are still interested in um, following what we do, particularly in the animal care space, um, when you go into the website and register for the webinars or you can, at any stage, you can subscribe to our newsletters and um, you can just subscribe to the general newsletter which tells you about all the work that's going on at Skills Impact or you can untick general and tick animal care and management. And any time anything changes on our website in the animal care and management space, it'll send you a newsletter to let you know what's happening at the next step. So if you subscribe to, our, to the ACM uh, animal care and management newsletters, you'll be able to keep informed of what we're doing. And it does have some general... Uh, industry information as well. Perfect. All right, that's great, Diana. I think, and the other thing is that uh, if you're driving or in a position that you can't um, access that link, just go to horsechats.com, search for Diana or search for McNaughton or even probably the Horse Care Project and um, you'll get that link as well and we'll give you the direct link. Fantastic. Thanks, Glennis. Not a problem at all, Diana. Well, I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon anyway to do with this project, but thanks for coming on. Thanks for explaining how important it is that the um, Australian horse industry gets involved in this project. Thanks, Glennis. That's really important. So thank you again. No worries. I'll talk to you soon, Diana. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below. 